0: We're starting a new series tonight called The Church. Uh, May is our family month, and this, this year we we're going we to talk about church family. And uh, as we do at the beginning of every series, I invite my wife to come and pray over the series, over our church. Um, and so she did it this morning. Now she has to pray twice, because we have two services, <laughs> double time now. So I'm going to invite my wife. This is my wife, everyone. For those that have not met, yes. <laughs> she can only be like this at Chatswood. At Belge, she was a bit, a bit shy still. Anyway, mother of dragons, five dragons, three dragons and two eggs. I don't know. Anyway, my wife's going to pray.
1: <laughs> Let's pray. Um. Lord, we lift up this um, this new series into your hands. So Lord, Be um, as we just discover through your word what you intended uh, for your church, Lord, I pray that you will speak um, through Pastor Stephen and that you will use him, that you will anoint him and empower him. Um, and that, Lord, that um, as your word is spoken, that it won't return to you empty, that it will be fruitful among us, that it would really just... Um, Yeah, really um, enlighten us and inspire us, encourage us and challenge us to be the church um, that you intended. Lord, I pray that, yeah, just through this um, month, especially with the launch of Burwood, Lord, that, um, yeah, you would really build your church, build your church in Burwood, build your church in Chatswood, um, so that your kingdom uh, may reign sovereign over our lives and the um, of, of the lives of those closest to us. So, Lord, yeah, we just lift up this series into your hands. We pray that we will be blessed, and in return, that we will bless those around us, and we Pray these
0: things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, my wife. She's pretty cool. Um, warning: anyone that's been at our church for a while, you would know that once um, I come back from holidays, it's like there's this like pent-up energy, right? It's just been building for five weeks. Usually it's like that, but honestly, I'm still a little bit tired, eh? I kind of wish I had another five weeks. Pastor James, you okay with that? Oh, sweet. Uh, My wife and I, we've been married for 14 years now. And I would say, I would say, apart from the day that I met Jesus, apart from the day that I get to play golf, my wedding day is one of the most important days of my life. You know, a a wedding, if you think about what a wedding is, right, it's a ceremony where two people commit themselves to each other. They share vows and promises they make to each other before their family and friends with many witnesses. And you hear words like, I will love you till death do us part. A little bit morbid, you know. Um, (laughs) Years ago... Uh, We had a guy here from from Korea who who had just graduated the army and um, as as I was getting to know him and I thought as a, um, you know, breaking the ice kind of question, I asked him, what's the quickest way to kill a guy? A little bit morbid? This has got nothing to do with the sermon, by the way. Um, And he goes to me, oh, you know, just, you know, slit one of the major arteries and then, you know, that's really quick. And then I thought, okay, I need to keep the conversation going. And, and I said, what's, what's the slowest way to kill a guy? <laughs> and then I realized I knew what the answer was. It was to get married to them. <laughs> <laughs> jokes, jokes, not me, obviously. <laughs> you know, weddings, are, they're, they're the, one of the big days of your life. Um what happens on the wedding day with these vows is so important. And yet what's what's interesting these days is this. One of the trends that we're seeing in more recent times is that the wedding day for the bride and groom, they seem to be less concerned about their vows. They seem to be less concerned about the promises that they're making to each other. Rather, they're spending more time practicing their dance moves for the reception, uh, working out seating arrangements for the meal, or they're focused on dieting and working out to make sure that their photos look amazing. And I'm not saying that the reception isn't important. I'm not saying that photos aren't important. I'm not saying that seating arrangements are not important. These are all very important things. But if you keep things in perspective, Surely, photos, seating arrangement, and the dance at the reception is really not as important as the vows and the promises that you're making, the covenant that you're making with that person. But I think what's sad is more couples these days, they focus more on the peripheral things without actually investing enough in the main thing, like their vows and promises. What I would say is this. This is the same with the church. The Bible describes the church through many different images. And we're going to go through these different pictures over the next uh, month. The body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the people of God, the light of the world. And you know what? Each of these descriptions of the church is so important. And there's so much depth in us understanding about God and the church through each one. But there is one description that I believe stands out and is actually the bedrock of all the other images that are used to describe the church. And it's this, the church is the house of God. The church is God's house. Now, when we say the house of God, we're talking about two things. Firstly, it is the dwelling place of God. And secondly, it is the dwelling place of the household of God, the family of God. Firstly, the dwelling place of God. God's dwelling place, right, where God's hangout is, is first mentioned right in the beginning of the Bible in Genesis. God creates the universe in six days and he creates man. And we read of passages where man and God would dwell in the Garden of Eden. Literally, they would be walking together in the Garden. That's where God's presence was. And then throughout the Old Testament, we see that His presence goes from the Garden into the Temple, into the Temple of God. And then into the New Testament, we see that it goes into the church. And then from there, it goes into the believers, the individual believers and this is where God dwells. Revelation 21, verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. 1 Corinthians 3 9. For we are co workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Verse 16, 17, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person for God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. The church is the dwelling place of God. The secondly, But secondly, not only is it the dwelling place of God, it is the family of God it's where the household of God is present 1 Timothy 3:15 if i am delayed you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in god's household which is what the church of the living god the pillar and foundation of the truth Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19 to 22 consequently you are no longer foreigners and strangers but fellow citizens with god's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. The church is the house of God. The church is the household of God. Now, there are so many questions about the church. Who makes up the church? Who could come to church? What should the church look like? What kind of music should there be? What are the purposes of the church? But before we dive into all these very important questions throughout this month, today I want us to begin with understanding one simple truth because I believe that this one simple truth actually affects every other truth that you and I understand about church. And it's this. The church is God's house, not yours. God is the one who built it. God is the one who dwells in it. As we study the church, I want us to not lose sight of the primary identity of the church. It is God's house that He created for His purposes and His glory. Just like every other part of God's creation, the church's primary identity and purpose is to exist for God's glory. You know, one of the questions that gets asked a lot about the church is, who is the church for? Who is the target audience of the church? Is it for Christians? Is it to help them, to nurture them, to create a safe space for them? Or is it for the non-Christians, to help them find God, to, to, to be a home base of evangelism? And the answer is this. Yes. One of the roles of the church is to look after Christians, the people of God, to encourage and to help them in their journey. And also, yes, one of the roles of the church is to reach out to non-believers to help them find God and find purpose in their lives. But the primary goal of church is not any of these. But the primary goal of church is to exist for God's glory and His honor and not ours. See, for some of us, this is going to be a very foreign idea. And I apologize if I'm about to hurt your feelings. But here we go. The world does not revolve around you. I know sometimes we like to think that. I know sometimes we like to think that we're the main character. You know, like uh, once in a while I'm watching K-drama. You know, And sometimes when you watch K-drama too much, one of the things that happens is you start to think of your life as a K-drama. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. Some of you are smiling. We will pray for you later, okay? I kid you not, sometimes everything goes in slow-mo. Sometimes you see flowers falling off trees, Sometimes even, right, and I'll kid you not, this has happened to me a few times, you hear music. It's like some kind of soundtrack in your life, you know. Sometimes like we're playing sport, like yesterday we had a big tennis night. Sometimes when I used to play sport, um, you hear music. Boom, 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 And I'm like, oh, yeah, come on. You know, like sometimes we get wrapped around like this, right? You know, I didn't share this story this morning. I don't know if I should say this story. I've always been told, if I ever have to second guess what I'm going to say on the pulpit, don't do it. <laughs> but I'm going to do it because I'm the senior pastor and I've been away for five weeks. Okay. It's a sad story. It's a sad story. Okay. When I was in year eight, which is the age of my, my son, my oldest son now, oh, I forgot he was here. <laughs> mm, maybe I shouldn't tell this story. now, i kidding. I had my first actually maybe I shouldn't tell this story one of the mistakes that I made listen up son just ignore everyone else for a second one of the biggest mistakes I made in my life was I started dating in year 8 big mistake okay I want you to learn from me buddy okay suddenly got real hot in this place I had my first girlfriend and when I say girlfriend she was a girl and she was a friend okay that was as good as it got right Anyway, after four months and two, two of those months, I was overseas anyway, she decided that things weren't working out. Nothing was happening anyway. Anyway, we broke up. And she broke up and she gave me a letter to explain to me why we should break up. And I got it at Central and I read it at Redfern And all the way to Eastwood, I heard music. (laughs) I kid you not. I heard the saddest love song music the whole way to Eastwood. I got home and the same music was playing at home. And I thought, I'm going crazy. Where is this music coming from? This is what happens, right? This is, I know you are laughing, but this happens. You live this life, thinking, living, acting as if you are the centerpiece of your life. But I'm going to burst this bubble for you today. You're not. In the grand scheme of things, in the grandest scheme of things, all of creation, including you and I, you didn't create yourself. I didn't create myself. We're all a part of creation. God created everyone. And God created everyone to be a part of God's plan. And this is where we get it wrong, right? This is where we get it wrong. We think God exists for me. We think we're the center of the universe and everything in the universe rotates around me, including God. But that's wrong. Because before you were even alive, God was there. After you die, God will be there. You're not the sinner. God is the sinner. And that's the same as his church. God's church is for him, not for you. Let me give you two examples of what happens when we get this wrong. Firstly, we treat church like roll call. Into heaven. Many people in the church, church has become attendance at best, moral obligation, roll call for good people, social gathering for those going to heaven. It's like pre-drinks before the club. Now I said that this morning, and whoever laughed then, I also say you are alcoholics, and we're gonna pray for you as well. Okay. These are all all traps to work out who you are, right? Seriously, some people, it's like, I want to go to heaven. Therefore, I need to go to church. It's got nothing to do with God, nothing to do with Jesus. It's because of me, right? That's how we treat treat the church. So selfish, right? So self-centered. But that's what people have made the church to be. Not what God has made the church to be, but what people have made the church to be. That's the first example. Second one, people have made the church therapy. People come to to church and they, they treat church like therapy. They bring all their problems and they just unload them to God, unload them to the pastors, unload them to the leaders and be like, fix me, take care of me. It's about my problems. It's about my life. Do something. Once again, what's the problem? So self-centered. Charles Bridges, a pastor from the 18th century, says this. The church is the mirror that reflects the whole effulgence. KJ told me how to say this word. How was it? Effulgence. Effulgence, which means brightness of the divine character. It is the grand scheme in which the perfections of Jehovah, the name of God, are displayed to the universe. When we understand, when we understand that the church exists for God and by God, we see that God's glory, not the needs of you and I, not the needs of Christians and non-Christians, but the glory of God is the ultimate determining factor of everything that the church does. Because the great purpose of the church is for God, not you and I. Yes, the church reaches the lost. Yes, the church looks after believers, but it does all of this to achieve the greater goal, which is to honor God. Because at the end of the day, the church... Is God's house, not your house. So how can the church operate in a manner that honours God, the owner? There are three ways that we can honour God and His house as the church. Number one, the church exists to glorify God through worshipping Him. What does it mean to worship? Worship is to give value where value is due. The church exists to honour God by recognising who God is and giving value and praise to God because He deserves it. See, that's what we believe. See, and it begins with the Bible. The Bible isn't just a book of history. Uh, It's not a good moral storybook, but it is what it says it is. It is the living Word of God. And we glorify God by acknowledging that this is the truth. And if we truly believe that this is the truth, that we believe that the Word of God is our daily bread, and that that daily bread is more important, that spiritual bread is more important than our physical bread, then we go to it every day. That's how we worship Him. We respond to His truth in song, in deed, and in our lives. We worship Him. The church exists to glorify God through worshipping him. Number two, the church exists to glorify God by edifying his people. The community of Christians gather to enjoy true Christian fellowship. Ephesians chapter 4, 15 to 16. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Christian authors Tim Chester and Steve Timmons write, it is in the family of God that I am able to care and be cared for, love and be loved, forgive and be forgiven, rebuke and be rebuked, encouraged and be encouraged, all of which is essential to the task of being a disciple of the risen Lord Jesus. We honour God by looking after his people. Thirdly, the church exists to glorify God by evangelising the world. While the church is first a gathering of God's people, it is a gathering to which unbelievers are invited so that they can hear the gospel and see it lived out by Christians. Dishonors God because it is in line with the very heart of God that desires to seek and save the lost. This is aligned with the great commission given to us by Jesus in Matthew chapter 28 19 to 20. Therefore, go and make disciples in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end the very end of the age. We glorify God by living out His desires by reaching the lost. Friends, the church is the house of God, the dwelling place of God and the dwelling place of His family. And our job, our job is not to define the church it's not to define the purposes of the church no god has already done that for us our job is to understand god's purposes and understand how to live them out why is this so important why is this truth so important to us as we start to unpack the church simply if you don't build your ideas and and, and theology on the fact that the church is the house of God and that the church exists for God first and not you, if you don't understand this, you're going to end up being dissatisfied and disillusioned about the church because at the end of the day, you're going to want something that doesn't exist, a holy temple of worship of you. That's not what church is. Friends, you got to understand the church is God's house. And not just understand it, but to actually start to live that out. Because what would it mean? What would it mean to start treating the church as God's house? Let me ask you, do you treat the church as God's house? Or do you treat it like a hotel That God works at. Who's the focus of church for you? Is it God or is it you? Sadly, too many of us, we treat the church not as God's house, but as a hotel where God works. We walk in and straight away we're looking to be served, straight away we're looking to think about what we can get out of the church. Straight away, we're just thinking about our own needs and our own desires. Friends, when you go to a hotel, isn't that what you do? You go to the biggest bed in the room, you open the mini fridge, of, and you look at all the things, and 100% everyone does this, oh, so expensive, not going to touch it, and you close it. Right? You know, that's what a service provider does. They're there to serve you. But sadly, we've made the church a service provider. People walk in the church and it's not about what does God desire, but it becomes about what do I want. That's why you hear things like, oh, I didn't think the worship was very good today. Oh, that prayer was a little bit long. Oh, that sermon wasn't very relevant to me, and you know what I say to that? I don't care because it's not about you. I say this with the most humility and love. I don't care how you think about my sermon. I don't go home and think about, oh my God, did they like what I said today? Did I offend anyone? Start messaging people. Hey, man, I'm really sorry that I offended you when I called you an alcoholic. See, all the people laughing. That's you again, okay? You just just keep falling into these traps, okay? You know, I love you, but I'm secure, right? The church is not a place for you to come. This is not consumerism. This is not a shopping center. This is not a show. Oh, I get so angry. Oh, I didn't really get much out of the worship today. Sorry, were we worshiping you? No, right? Pastor James would have, you know, he would have heard many things like this. More so after Albert joined the team. Jokes, jeez! It's been a long five weeks, guys. All these pented up. I'm telling you now, Pastor James, Albert, myself, we do not care. Why? Because it's not about you. We don't come to church and go, "Come on, guys, we need to put on the best performance ever." If that was us, we'd get fired. Straight away. It's not a show, it's not a concert. But the problem is, we've made it like that. We go to where the experience is good. That's what you do when you go to a movie cinema where you get the full experience, Hoyt's reclining chairs. I think they're better. You know, that's 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 consumerism. That the problem is, that's what we've made the church. I'm telling you, this is God's house. This is God's house. And I think we need to start treating the church like God's house. It's not a service. See, when we treat church like a moral obligation, it's like this. I'm running late. Who cares? As long as I go, tick my name off, put the offering in, I'm done i use this example this morning. If the Prime Minister of Australia, the Honourable Scott Morris, who, by the way, sometimes does tune in, I did hear, thanks very much for tuning in, appreciate your support. If you got invited to dinner at Kirribilli House, which is the residence of the Prime Minister in Sydney, right? if you got invited to dinner and the dinner uh, invitation says 6pm, I promise you, I promise you, you're not going to rock up at 6.10. No way. Why? Because it's the Prime Minister of Australia. Right? Even, you know, someone that you respect, uh, you know, a a friend, you know, like someone's wedding, if if the wedding starts at 11 o'clock, and here's a tip, this is how you know who really loves you, Right? If you get married at 11 o'clock, everyone that turns up before 11 o'clock, they love you. Everyone that turns up after 11 o'clock, they're just there because they have to be there. I'm just saying, that's the truth. That's the truth. You'd never turn up to a job interview late, right? But why is it? Why is it that it's okay to turn up to church late? Why is it? That everything else on a Sunday has a greater priority than church on a Sunday. Why is it that we're trying to fit in church on a Sunday, you know, we're trying to fit in community life groups. We're trying to fit it in within our greater schedule because you do not believe that the church is the house of God. You think still it's just some religious tick. You still think that the church is a service provider for your needs. And I'm telling you tonight, you've got it wrong. Because this is the house of God. And because it's God's house, when you come, you come with respect, you come with reverence, you come with honor. Because it is a direct reflection of how you see God himself. Now, you don't care about God. That's fine. Turn up to church late because your friend told you to come and you're just like, oh man, I just want to get him off my back. Yeah, that's fine. That's completely consistent with what you believe. But what I'm challenging you tonight is this. If you truly believe that the church is the house of God, that I'm challenging you, live it. Start treating it like the house of God. Start treating it with dignity, honor, respect. Because I'm telling you, we don't. One of the biggest pitfalls that we learned from last year through COVID was the gift and the curse of online services. And there's this big question about whether we continue because we've now opened up and people aren't coming in, and it's not because they're sick. Afshin's sick. He really is sick, guys. He played tennis yesterday for like three hours. He has never played tennis before. He's he's aching in muscles that he's never used ever, and he's a big guy, right? But you know, we've got people that they're not coming in because it's convenient. It's saving travel time. I'm just saying, you're not treating church like God's house. You're treating it like a service, what you can get out of it. It's not right. I need to work this out. Friends, the church is the house of God. That's what scripture tells us. And if we really believe it to be the house of God, then we need to start living that out in our lives. It starts with our attitudes towards church. You know, my, my fourth child, I, used to, I was going to call him my youngest son, but my fourth child, he's two. And one of the things that he he says every day, I kid you not, is let's go to church. Now, for him, like what does he know about church? He loves church, he loves the music, he hates the sermon. Every time we turn on the live stream for him, he sings along. And then as soon as that's finished and I start preaching, he goes, Start again. You know, I wonder. When was the last time you were that excited to go to church? When was the last time you treated God's house to be God's house and not just a service for you? Because I promise you, it changes everything. As I said, there's so much more to be said about the church and we're going to spend the rest of May going through that. But tonight, a simple truth. The church is God's house. And I just pray that as we mull on that truth and in your life groups as you discuss this, that it wouldn't just be something that you know in your head, but it's something that you live out in your life. And I pray that you would appreciate the fact that God opened up his doors for you into his house. Let's pray.